Thank you once again. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you that you've directed us to understand the priority and the place that you should and, and we desire to have in our hearts for you. We want to bring our honor and worship to the Savior. We want to thank you, Father, for this perfect Redeemer that he is. I thank you, Father, that in him we are one. And I ask for your blessing this morning as we would open the final segment in, in your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I understand it, um, pizza is about to be delivered, so let's close in prayer. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not really. No, I am kidding, actually. Um, but I want you to turn to um, uh, Genesis chapter 18. And what I need to do at this point is I need to really give you a picture of, of some of the aspects of worship. And uh, uh, one of the ways you do that is you look in the Bible and you say, well, where is the first word used in the Bible? And so there's this rule in hermeneutics that says the law, it's called the law of first mention. All that means is that whenever it's mentioned first in the Bible, you want to pay attention to its usage because it sets the tone for how that word will be used the rest of the time in the scriptures. That makes sense because, you know, it's a a document that has woven um, uh, truth through it. So, So Genesis 18 is the very first place the word worship is used, but it's not translated worship. It's translated prostrate, meaning getting down on your face before God. And so uh, I think it bears some, t- some, some energy to look at this passage. Now, there's about four things <laughs> that you should notice, all right? Number one, you should notice the following things, that God, uh, Abraham offers or worships God and offers God's service. Number two, God receives that service and worship. He is refreshed by it. So notice how what Ab- Abraham will offer and prepare he will then, God will then receive and cherish. Number three, you will notice that that creates the forum whereby God converses with Abraham. God and Abraham have a conversation. Hence, Abraham is called about three times in Scripture, the friend of God, meaning they've disclosed things together. And number four, we're going to take a sneak peek at Lot and how his offer of worship was rejected. All right? So those four things will help us this morning. And yes, I realize that four points, half an hour, 7.5 minutes per... Eh, where am I kid? All right. Verse, 18, uh, verse 1, chapter 18. Then the Lord appeared to him, that's Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day... Now notice, and I'm going to have to do this discussion kind of a rolling exposition, so forgive me for that. So notice it's the heat of the day, and notice that when it's the heat of the day in the Middle East, you usually see those little wavy lines come up from the pavement. You're probably seeing those little wavy lines coming up from the sand, meaning it's stinking hot. And what do you do when it's hot? Well, I'm pretty sure if the elders and deacons here raise the temperature to about 80, you'll be going... Right? Just like after you're going to eat. Now, in the heat of the moment, when your body is physically kind of like on low gear, he notices the presence of God and depicted with these three angels. One of them, we would say, would be the angel of the Lord. Now, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, meaning close proximity. And when he saw them, here it is, he ran 
You see that bodily response he ran? It is very unlike a Jewish person, especially an ancient Jewish person, to run. It's very undignified. right? It's not normal. So he runs to them. And so in other words, when you're in the presence of God, you don't worry about your own dignity. You're only concerned about the dignity and honor of the other person. If you've got to lose yours to give it to him, so be it. And so he ran from the tent of the door uh, to meet them. And look at that word, and bowed. You see that word bowed? That's the word worship. It's the same word used in Genesis 22, which if we had time this morning and afternoon, we would talk about where it says, let the lad and I go yonder and worship and we will return to you. Same word, same word that you will find in, in, in uh, chapter 19, when Lot saw them rose and bowed. That's in verse 1 of chapter 19. Same word. So that goes back to this idea. Remember I told you in ancient Near Eastern literature, especially in the Persian kings, they would bow down, blowing kisses to the one who is superior. That's what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. And so we have uh, immediately, we see in Abraham's life that the first sight of the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, he is on his face worshiping no matter how tired he is or how sleepy he is because that supersedes all physiologic restraints, right? That's how it should be. Now, I want you to notice the trail here. It's very interesting. And he said, my Lord, if I now have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. So please stay with me. I would like you to spend the night. I'd like you to have a meal with me. Very Middle Eastern to do that. And he said, please let a little water be brought. This is Abraham's plan. Let a little water be brought. Wash your feet and notice this word and rest yourselves. That means lean on me, lean on me. Just, just kind of let me hold you up. All right. Uh, under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread, food. Okay. And that you may refresh. That means rejuvenate, revitalize yourself. Now, let me ask you something. If you're, if you're God, a pre-incarnate Christ, do you need to rest and do you need to be refreshed? Probably not. You do the refreshing. You do, you're the person people lean on. You don't have people that you lean on and that you are refreshed by. You're God. But if you notice, God, this, this depiction of God is letting Abraham do all those things for him. Meaning, bowing in worship refreshes the heart of God. It rests the heart of God. I would have never thought a dust particle could do that, actually. But he does. And notice what it says here. And after that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. Now, Abraham goes and he gets everybody involved. He, he, he hurries to the tent to Sarah. Quickly make three measures of this fine meal, knead it together and make cakes. Sometimes in that day they would have it already prepared, but he was asking it to be made fresh. Want it fresh. So, you know, stokes up the oven, right? That takes a little bit of time. Got to get it at the right temperature, get the right firewood, and it's all on fast pace, right? And so she get that, gets that going, has the, somebody making the bread and get it going. It takes probably a good hour plus, don't you think? They got to wait, right? Abraham hurried into her tent, ran to the herd, took a tender, good calf. Did you hear that? A tender, good calf. 
Not one. Which one were we going to get rid of because, you know, they're kind of getting uh, diseased? Let's use that one. No, no, no. Perfect, best one we've got. Let's find that one. And a calf, not full grown. You don't get as much money for a tender calf or a calf as you do a full grown animal. He's, he's, cut, he's, he's cutting his investment opportunity off at the roots. Gave it to the young man and hastened to prepare it. What does that mean? You have to eviscerate the animal. You have to prepare the animal. You have to skin the animal. That's not going to take an hour. That's going to take a little bit of time, right? Look at this. And he took butter and milk. Now, apparently in the Middle East, you have some of this stuff that you pre-make and that you can have it. And I, I didn't quite understand how it was ex- when it was explained to me, but you can actually take it so that it can set up and, and be preserved for a while. So maybe it was made fresh, maybe not. But the point is, is that it was prepared for them and all brought together at the right moment to basically serve a midday feast. Now look at this one. Verse 8, so he took the butter and the milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them underneath the tree as they ate. Who stands by you while you eat? The server. You know what Abraham was doing? He was being the waiter. The waiter. I can just see that. Towel over the arm. And there they are eating. Do you want some more tea? Um, let me get you. Do you know how many people Abraham had under his operation by now? I, when I do the math, it's somewhere between three to 5,000 people. Do you remember that little story a couple chapters ago when uh, a lot got stolen in that military operation back from Mesopotamia that came down through uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Rift Valley, captured all those four kings, took them north, including the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and a couple of other villages or towns, and Lot was with them, and Abraham was notified, and it says he chose 318 gentlemen who were <laughs> excuse me, born in his house. Now, if we assume that all 318 were from different families... That means that there is a minimum of a thousand people because you had two parents and one kid. But probably they had as many children as the Cliffords and the Prices. So we're saying they had 10 kids per family. And if you do the math, times that's, a, that's approaching 10,000 people. That's not a ranch. That is a village. That is a town. That is a city. It means Abraham has people. He's got people. But Abraham makes himself the waiter. Abraham makes himself the preparer of the food. Abraham gets the whole family involved to refresh the heart of God so that at the right moment in the right way, you can sit down and let the pre-incarnate Christ have a meal at your table underneath the only air conditioning you have called a mammary tree, an oak tree, a terebinth tree. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful the way this unfolds. Now, let me see if I can tell you an illustration that perhaps will maybe cement this moment for you. So we're looking, as I mentioned to you, we're looking at at Abraham and, and his awareness and his willingness to prepare. Number two, that God lets him do this. Do as you have said. Go ahead, prepare the meal. Let me be. I will be refreshed by it. I will rest with it. I will enjoy the savoriness of the meal. So let me give you the illustration. Back in the day, our first child was was Katie. She's now 34. I never thought we'd have a 34-year-old child, you know. But to me, my wife, she's still 19, so 
Anyway, at least to me. Anyway, so we got Katie this gift one year for Christmas, and it was one of those kind of pop-up pup tents, you know? And so you put it together, and it, it looks like one of those tents you'd see out on the desert, you know, one of those kind of pop-up, comes to a little peak and has the four little poles are all flexible. And the door is in the front, and it's about this big, okay? So one day I'm in my office, and I'm working away, and little Katie comes to me. She's about, I don't know, three or four, and she goes, Daddy, do you want to have tea? I go, oh, I would love some tea. I have it prepared. Okay. And so I leave my office, and we go down the steps through the through the mountains and valleys to Grandma's house we go, and we come to this tent, you know. And so I, I see the tent, and I see the door, and she pops right in. Now, I know I don't look like I'm 6'10 to you, but with that tent, I'm 6'10". And so I get in that little doorway, and I squeeze in there, and I get my foot in there, and I get in there, and I'm like T-Rex, you know, just like this, you know. And she goes... Daddy, would you like some tea? I said, oh, I'd like some tea. Thank you, darling. And so she gives me a little teacup. There's nothing in it. And I take, oh, I love this. This is English tea, my dear. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, I love English tea. Thank you so very much. And she said, would you like some crumpets? I said, I love crumpets. Do you happen to have some scones? She said, I have scones. And she gives me a Lego piece. And I go, oh, I love Legos. So there's such taste, you know what I mean? And she goes, yes, yeah, so lovely. I said, yeah. Oh, this is such a lovely little tea we're having. Don't you think that? Yes, it is, Dad. I'm so glad you could make it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so, now, if I, I'm so sorry, ma'am, but I must be going now. She goes, no problem. And so I squeeze out of there like I'm going through the, you know, birth canal or something. And I, can, and I pop out. And I go, oh, 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 oh. Woo! I want to ask you something. Did I need to have tea? Yeah. If I wanted tea, I would have got tea. I wouldn't have got Legos. Okay? But let me tell you, that event is about 30 years ago. And I remember it like it was just this morning. Why is that? Because it wasn't about the tea. It was about the fact that I got to sit down and be with my little girl and just do something with her. And I let her refresh me and let her rest. Let, I, I allowed myself to rest upon her and she to be the waiter of my little moment with her. And so it wasn't about the tea and it wasn't about the calf and it wasn't about the butter or the curds. It was about being with Abraham. You see, Abraham bowed himself on the ground and made all of this service just for God in the best way he could. God does not need calf, butter, or curds. It was all about Abraham. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the reason why God received it is because it was a precious moment that God could share with his friend. That is what worship does. That's what it means to the heart of God. So much so that the two angels, there's three, go on ahead to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angel of the Lord, which we have identified in the next paragraph, is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is stated for us in, where did I see this? Oh, yes. Um, 
is stated for us in verse 19. That's not what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely be a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is very great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that excuse me according to the outcry against it that has come to me and if not I will know and the men turned away from there went toward Sodom and Abraham stood still before the Lord you see what's happening when Abraham was when noticed and worshiped God he served God in a manner that God received his refreshment Abraham stood there even as a waiter for it to happen. That creates the forum. That creates the opportunity where communion with God can now happen in an extraordinary way. And God then embraces the moment, it says the Lord, he embraces the moment to converse with Abraham what's in his heart to be done. The verse in John 15 comes to mind. No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends because I've disclosed to you everything that I'm about to do. This is what's happening in Genesis 18. And God says, well, you know, I was just hearing a couple of rumors around here that Sodom and Gomorrah is really doing badly. They're sinning. And so I've actually come down to check it out. And I said, if, I, if it's true, then, you know, we'll do something about it. If it's not true, then I'll know. We can just leave it alone. And Abraham hears that. And he watches those two angels go along. They're going to check it out. And so it's just him and the Lord alone. Do you see that? Worship creates the forum for communion. And then the Lord tells him what his plan is. And Abraham says this. I was wondering about that. Could I ask you a question? Now they're talking like friends, man to man, if you will. And he says, um, would you destroy also, this is verse 23, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous. Don't you love this hypothetical? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous? Notice this, verse 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be regarded or should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Second time he says that. You shall, shall not the judge of the earth do what is right. Oh, listen, there is nothing more beautiful in, uh, in times of worship where communion erupts, where you and God have conversation, as it were, and you so know God so well that you can actually cite Him and your petition to Him. (laughs) My son did this once to me. I'm pretty sure he did give me a snow job, but I didn't care. Did Did I tell you this story? I don't think I did. When they learn to drive, I give them a cell phone and a credit card. Because A, I don't want to fill their car, and B, I need to call you if you're in an accident, or you need to call me, definitely. And so, uh, so I said to them, I said, now listen, you'll be out with your friends once in a while, and when you do so, I want you to know that, that, that it is important to your mom and I that we're generous. And so if you're there, it's, it's whether you know, it's an awkward moment, just, just buy their dinner. Just buy it, as long as it's outward and just serving, okay? Can you do that? Oh, sure, Dad. 
I said, the only caveat is you have to come home, show me the receipt, and you have to explain it, okay? Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you're buying stuff at, you know, like Game Club, no, you're buying that. But, you know, if you're serving other people, we'll do it. I said, okay. So one night when my son comes home with a, a $100 bill from Sonic. Do you have Sonic up here? Yeah. Do, you know how many, do you know how many meals you could buy for 100 bucks at Sonic? That's a lot of Sonic, let me tell you. And I said, what's, what's up with $100 at Sonic? This is what he does. About that, Dad, I got to tell you something. You see, I remembered what you said. <laughs> and what you said was that we should be a generous family. And what you said was that when we're in a situation where it's an opportunity to be generous, we should be generous. And because of what you said, and I know what, who you are and what mom is and how you are like this kind of people. I decided that as we were there, I should pay for my friends. But my friends ended up being the whole team. And the next thing you know, the whole team is buying Sonic. And I didn't know what to do, but I remembered your character. And because of that memory, I bought them all lunch. I said, hmm, give me that ticket. I'll pay for that. Now, he's probably giving me a snow job and it worked. But he cited me in the conversation. And I remembered what I said. See, Abraham's doing the same thing. I know you so well that you would never judge the righteous with the wicked. So let's just say there's 50. Would you do that? No, you wouldn't. Far be it from you would never do that ever. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? When you are a worshiper of God who's sensitive to his presence, when you prostrate yourself before him, when you give yourself unto him so that he lets you refresh him, which is a miracle in and of itself, he then has the, you then set the stage for moments of communion in which you and God can actually converse and your prayer life actually has vitality and life that you've never dreamed of. And you have this conversation with God that sounds just like this. I actually pray that way. Father, far be it from you never to show mercy. Is this family not the perfect family to show perfect mercy? Far be it from you to not show mercy. I know you because I've been a receiver of that mercy. And it tasted so good to me. Father, it would taste good to them. The Lord listened. Well, Steve, he still destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The gist was, I need you to care for the 10 people in that city that potentially are believers in God. And so God still destroyed the city. But what did he do with the ones that actually had a teeny weeny little bit of faith? He took them out. So ask me if God answered his prayer. Yes, he did. Just not in the way that Abraham prayed it. Hmm? But it begins and ends with this whole concept of worship. Now, the last point I wanted you to remember was about Lot. I want you to look at Lot. And we'll end with this because pizza is filling the room. Now, the angels came. So these are now representing the Lord, not the angel of the Lord as we identified when the title changed to Lord. Um, uh, which is Yahweh in the end of chapter 18. Now the two angels, they're representing the Lord. They came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate. So Lot was busy man doing business stuff. And when Lot saw them, notice the similarities. It says that he uh, rose to meet them. Abraham ran. 
And he bowed, that's the same word, he worshipped, right? He bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no. What? No? It's like a carbon copy of the beginning of chapter 18. Uh, recognition of someone superior, you offer your home, you offer your dwelling, you offer refreshment, you offer them to rest a little bit, and the angels representing God says, no, thank you. Why would that happen? Why would there be such a resistance? I'd rather spend the night in the open square with whoever's there rather than spend the night with you. Now, was Lot a believer? The answer is yes. Hebrews and other portions. Lot was a believer, right? And it says soul was vexed by them. He was, he was a terribly compromised believer, but he was a believer. And what I'm trying to tell you is that it is possible that Lot or Abraham represented the true worshiper and Lot represented the non-true worshiper for he had compromised his life in such a way that when he first turned his heart towards Sodom, it, he turned his heart towards Sodom because it reminded him of Egypt. And there are many a Christian today that have become child, children of God and their heart is still towards the flesh and the world. And they marry into the world and they sort of compromise with the world and they take more and more of the world's uh, uh, ideology and thinking and begins to become ingrained in their lives so that when it comes time to worship God, God would say, no, thank you. Is that us? Is that us? Saints, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you just then. But this is kind of serious, I think. I, I don't want to be another page of history in which my name could be translated Lot, such that I was one who offered my worship and accommodations to the Lord and, or to, the, to representatives, representatives, if you will, of the Lord, and he would say, no, thank you. I'd rather not. I'd rather put myself at risk than be with you and your dinner table. Wow. He wanted to worship God, and it, it wasn't appreciated. In fact, if you were to do a little contrast between Abraham and Lot, you would find the following. They both were approached by angels. They both recognized the individuals who came to them. They both attempted to honor such individuals. They both made an invitation for hospitality. Hospitality by Abraham was received, but re hospitality was refused when offered from Lot. Abraham serves his visitors. Lot's visitors came to save his life. The Lord reveals his plans to Abraham. The angels reveal the plans to Lot. Abraham makes considerate in, in, in intercession for his, uh, to his Lord. Lot is personally ignorant of the petition. He doesn't understand what's going on. When he finally realizes that, that they're going to destroy the place, he goes, oh, I, I need to leave. You know what he does? He procrastinates. And then they finally have to push him out. And they say, you go to the mountain. He goes, no, no, let me, let me, you, you've given me so much mercy. Let me just go over to the small place that's closer. And I'm afraid. And he, he really pretty much misinterprets the mercy of the Lord. The Lord was really being quite tolerant. He should have really put himself together and did exactly what it said. But no, listen, Lot can't understand God in the way that a true worshiper can. 
When you compare, you'll find that Abraham had a testimony with his neighbors. Everybody understood what needed to happen, his family members and all of his staff in the house. But Lot, when he went to his neighbors and said, don't harm these angels, they didn't get it. They wanted to harm him anymore. Abraham had a testimony with his family, but a Lot had no testimony with his children. For when he went to his children and say, "Uh, we need to hurry and leave, they thought he was joking. They thought he was being foolish, meaning you've probably been foolish before. It's just one of those times. Abraham accepts what the Lord has decided for him. Lot manipulates what the Lord has decided for him. You see, a non-true worshiper is not valued by the Lord for a reason. We can see that in this demonstration in Abraham, Abraham's life, and especially as we compare it to Lot's life. But the question that we have to remain is, will I be regarded as Lot or will I be regarded as Abraham? It is my goal, my singular goal in this life to be a true worshiper of God. Such that when I sit down and offer him, recognize his presence and prostrate myself before him and offer him that which would be refreshing to his his interaction with me, that he would fully and completely enjoy it and receive it with such, uh, as it says in the Old Testament, and the sweet aroma was pleasing to God. That he, if he were to stop by my house, stop by my quarters, stop by my life, and I offered him a place to stay, he would want to stay with me. I don't want to be that compromised person that cannot listen to the communion of God that happens when he speaks to me about his plans. No, listen, brothers and sisters, we must be true worshipers, and we want to see it in living color as demonstrated by the comparison and contrast of these two individuals who are related. Oh, don't you see? We have to be true worshipers. We have to be. I don't want to get to the judgment seat and have a moment, an awkward moment, when my life gets recorded, explained like chapter 19. Do you? No, 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 no. no. And I don't want that just for my own life. I don't want that for the assemblies. And I just don't want, I don't want, I not only not want that for the assemblies, I don't want that for the bride of Christ in general, in general. And I don't want that to be reflected when the Lord comes. I don't want the bride today to be so occupied with other things that she is surprised by the Lord's return that she is surprised and not anticipating his coming, not looking for the trumpet, not looking for the voice of the archangel. If, we, if he comes and we're in that state, we, we've really blown it. We've really failed. No, it is my prayer. It is my desire. It is my passion to see the bride worshiping the Savior and his coming is just so anticipated. We can't wait to see him. Now that, now that, is what we want to be. Well, may the Lord bless this little comparison to you and for us. And um, I'll close and uh, thank the Lord for the food. All right. Dear Father, it's been a wonderful honor to be in your presence. I feel like a little bit like Abraham where you talked with me and you said, you know, this is what I find I need to do. And this is what I find precious. And this is what I, I would want. Father, I, I, don't, I, 
I, I, I just want to be that man that's your friend that you can talk and I would listen and I would know you so well and I would see the, the, the motivation behind your actions and I could identify it and join in with you in the heart that moves the world. Oh, Father, you have this heart for the lost. You have the heart for the saved. You have a heart that looks to see um, uh, your children growing in what is right and, and understanding and relishing the, the blessings of heaven. Oh, Father, please help us to be true worshipers. Help us to know you, to love you, and to lay down our lives for you. Help us, Father, not to be compromised, not to, to be a place where you'd rather not spend the night. No, Father, help us to be a kind of worshiper that you are, in which you find refreshment and rest for you. That you will let us be your servant. Let us be your server, your waiter or waitress for the things of God. What a high and holy privilege that is. And yet, Father, I believe on many occasions I've missed it. I've never appreciated it. Oh, let not the church of Christ be like this any longer. Change my life. Change our lives. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.